Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. They got something new going on over there right now. If you just want to try them out, use promo code DNVR25. You'll get 25% off, even if you're a first-time user. But those of you who know it and love it have found it to be as life-changing as I have, drinking several coffees every single morning of that CBD stuff. You can now subscribe, and you'll automatically get 20% off every single one. So go to Strava Craft Coffee. Check them out right now. I, of course, am your host, Drew Priestman, the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And joining us, as has become our weekly custom, he is the voice of the Colorado Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet and the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, it's Drew Goodman. What's up, fellas? We had real baseball. Baseball that counts, huh? Hey, they played them. They, they counted up the score at the end of the game. They they, they put a, a win or a loss in the column officially. And let's actually start no, with No you. ties, Drew. No ties. No ties. Uh, every guy had to record three outs as, uh, you know, that first inning with Austin Gomber. You learned that's right. You can't just you know, just walk them off like you could in spring. But let's before we get to any of that, let, let's start at the beginning where, where we really have to with that opening day, Goody, with just what it meant to be back at it back in the ballpark, and then to see the guys go out there, take it to Clayton Kershaw, and really give the community of Denver baseball watching fans something to feel really pretty amazing about. I, I think the thing that I'll take away the most is probably the same thing that uh, that you guys and, and people that perhaps watched on television, or certainly if they were there, you know, after a year where there were no fans even it, it, they said it's tw- a little under 21,000, um, you know, all the games, which were all COVID sellouts. It felt, we've all been there a million times. Didn't it feel like there was like 30,000 people there? Um, and and I literally, especially opening day, got chills. I always do with the flyover and that sort of thing. But it was, it was meaningful just to see, uh, you know, people at the ballpark and the buzz and you know i mentioned that during spring training when we chatted about doing the games there down at salt river fields and that and that was wonderful and see the kids rolling down the hill but to see Coors field with a lot of people in it and with energy again and it just overall made things feel a lot more normal and then of course the 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 cherry on top was the rockies went out and they they beat kershaw eight to five and uh, unfortunately, that was the only ball game they won. Though we'll we'll get into the other, you know, three and kind of break things down as well. Or, but uh, that's what I. That's the number one thing I took away. And I'm not just trying to be trite that oh, it's great that fans were in the stands. It it meant a lot to to me, and it and it was it was special. I think because we knew going into this season, it you know the win loss record was was not going to be one of the highlights the focus is back on baseball and, and the fans being back and, and we'll get to all those details, but it, it felt like when you, you and I talked earlier today, it felt like a, a mid season game Dodgers come in. So you've got Rockies fans against Dodgers fans. It's 70, 80 degrees out there and you've got mid season craziness going on left and right. And so I think that also helped with the enthusiasm and, and vibe of the entire series. I said this, in the let me think in the six five ball game was that Saturday, fellas? I you know I you know how I work it all runs together for me, right? That's right. Six five was Saturday, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I said on the air that both Dave Roberts and Buddy are managing this game like it's October third, not April third. I mean, Bard came into the ball game minus one, which you rarely see this time of year. For just the sixth time in his career, Kenley Jansen's asked to get a five-out save. That happens in September. It certainly will happen in October. On April 3rd, especially as deep as they are, but, you know, Dave strutted out there. He goes, I want I want Jansen here to protect this one-run lead, and he, he was able to do it. You know, and Buddy, you know, wanted to keep it a one-run game, and, and he had Bard go out there and throw the top of the ninth, which is really unusual. So – uh, yeah, I think both. I think both teams were aware it's the opening series, but both wanted to get off to a you know great start, and and um, uh, I did think that was that was interesting. I do I do like that comparison that it had like a, you know almost a a postseason flair to it, especially as you said when you think about 
Jansen and how, you know, just a couple of years ago, he was kept out of the series in Colorado because of some heart issues and some health concerns. And you're right. He goes out, gets the five outs and, and the Rockies all weekend were, were battling. They were fighting back. And, you know, if, if you're a big proponent of run differential, you might look and go, ah, oh, yeah, Rockies, they lost three out of four against the Dodgers, but you'd be surprised by how much they lost by. It wasn't very much. These games were close. No, they they the one game with that looked like it was going to be a horrendous blowout was Bowers no hitting him going to the seventh. It's ten nothing, and then one of the one of the more memorable innings we've all ever witnessed with four home runs in the inning just the second time uh, that's happened for the Rockies ever. You have to go back to '99 with a, a quartet led by Dante Bichette, and all of a sudden it wasn't just okay. The Rockies had a nice little inning. They broke up the no hitter and a blowout. Dave Roberts was known, uh-oh, I've seen this before. And, and obviously the Dodgers ended up winning, but it, it was 10 to 6, and and that was that was interesting. But to your point overall, Patrick, yeah, I think what was the final? It was 27-22, uh, the final disparity in terms of cumulative runs. The Rockies, against that vaunted pitching staff, ended up uh, you know hitting six home runs, six different guys, 22 runs, a little better than five, uh, you know, five and a half a game. So – that was that was good to see, you know. You, you'd have liked to the for, to see them get a split, maybe win that six five game where the bullpen couldn't hold it on a couple of occasions. Uh, but there were there was a scrappiness to that offense that I found appealing. You know, that's one of the things, Drew. I'm glad you brought that up because it was something I was I was kind of talking with people about. I've I've been known to be accused of being naive because occasionally I'll say, you know, I don't think this Rockies team is quite so bad as people are saying and then i was pointing out that this fight and and i had a few people say to me well yeah but the, no one was saying they weren't going to try hard everybody tries hard and you know I'm, I'm not putting you on the spot not asking you to call out anybody and certainly not anybody from the rockies organization but you and i and and, and everyone in this conversation well knows that full effort in professional sports is not just a given it's not something that everyone brings all the time and the fact that these guys were going out there, weren't giving up when they were down 10 nothing, and didn't have a hit. Look, man, they were getting crushed. They could have just as easily said, this is one of 162 games. We just started the season. Why even? And they they provided us with, as you said, one of the most memorable innings in recent memory. I don't think that counts for nothing. You play 162, and I think you have a lot of guys that have something to prove and, and have a lot of pride and I think that will be borne out. Uh, I do believe that if you get to this level, you better have a great deal of pride. You obviously have to have to have a great deal of talent. And it's rare at this level that you'll see somebody, you know, dog it. Has it has it happened? Yeah. Um, they don't have that kind of makeup. And now we'll see how they improve individually and then ultimately uh, collectively. Uh, they played the best team in baseball. I, I've said this, you know, publicly. You look at that roster, and and you guys are great historians of the game. Um, I'm I'm hard pressed, at least in recent memory, to come up with a roster that is as good as that one and as deep as that one. It, that that team is, and that's why there are the odds-on favorite to repeat, even as much as San Diego's improved and on the other side of the ledger, the White Sox, you know, look like a really fun team and a really talented team. And, you know, we know about the Yankees and that sort of thing, but that Dodger team uh, is really, really good. That's the best team the Rockies will play. Padres are good, um, but the bet, and there's some good teams in the NL East, uh, but that's, that's a great team. Now we also know it's baseball, so you can go play the worst team in baseball. And if the pitcher's on, you may lose, right? Uh, but uh, there, there were things to take away that were positive from that that series, and and one of them, yeah, you know, Drew, I think, you know, you, you mentioned, you touched on it, but uh, you know, the, the overall scrappiness, the overall not giving away at bats, uh, trying to figure out a way. Even last night in the in the four two game, uh, you know, they don't have anything going. Urias was was terrific, and Jimmy Nelson comes in, and Garrett Hampson knocks in two, and all of a sudden. You're like, here we go. They didn't get over the hump, uh, but let's just see how it plays out. Well, you brought him up, Garrett Hampson. 
you know, was was one of those scrappy guys. I mean, he's been scrappy his whole career since he's been at at Long Beach. I mean, he he embodies what it means to be uh, a dirtbag, right? And we mean that in the nicest way possible. But he was there for for Saturday night as well. And in fact, um, two eighth inning doubles late that that ended up kind of driving a bit of a comeback. Was he one of those guys that um, you know showed the most kind of temerity to to kind of fight back? I mean, I think a lot of guys ended up doing it really well did, did any of them stand out as as being a guy that man really doesn't give up any at bats and was was still battling even when maybe it seemed like the game was out of reach there was a lot of candidates who did that right there's a lot of candidates um uh, you you guys know because we've chatted about this i'm a huge garrett hansen fan i have been for a couple of years i think he has a chance to be a, an everyday guy move around the diamond a little bit um and be impactful i mean be a double digit home run guy uh, be a you know 25 stolen base guy depending you know he may be even more depending on how much he's on the field um, there, there's a there's a tenacity a toughness to him and it rubs off on other guys what I'm going to be looking at yeah those things overall uh, but um, how much he's able to you know spit in the baseball vernacular meaning take the pitch that's you know just off the plate especially spinning and and reduce his strikeout rate um, and and get better keep getting better as april rolls into may and may rolls into june but i liked what i saw from him chris owings i thought had a great series certainly had a great opening day with three hits and and a walk i liked the guys with positional versatility um ryan mcmahon didn't have a great spring training i thought he had some good at bats in uh in the series against the dodgers and you know, there, there, there were others. I mean, I thought for the most part, C.J. Crone had a rough day yesterday. But, you know, the first three games, I thought C.J. Crone, you know, swung the bat well or, or had good A.B.s and, and walked a couple of times. Charlie, who had an, you know, an abysmal uh, spring training, uh, you know, stepped forward. He hit the home run. He hit a double off the uh, auxiliary scoreboard. You know, Trevor threw out with, you know, five or six hits in the series. So there, there were there were a lot of good things. You know, offensively, the Dodgers are a tough team to beat, man. One of the guys who I think embodied this, but on the other side of the ball, and it's kind of a weird thing to embody as a pitcher, was Chichi Gonzalez, who ended up really just having to pick up those tough innings, man. Those those middle innings when you weren't necessarily you didn't know you were going to pitch that day. Now you got to go out and throw two, maybe three innings against the toughest lineup in baseball, maybe the toughest lineup in baseball in a very, very, very long time. Uh, I, I thought Chi-Chi really showed well for himself this week. Chi-Chi was great yesterday. Kept the Rockies in the game after, um, you know, the tough start for Austin Gomber. Um, you know, if you look under the disappointing category, we were talking about some of the positives that occurred over the weekend. The disappointing thing clearly was what should be the strength of this team, and ultimately it may still be, we're talking about one series, was the rotation, save John Gray, did not pitch well at all. You know, Herman uh, magically got through four innings on 92 pitches, only giving up one run. Hopefully that's one of the worst starts he has all year. Uh, Senzatella, who had a very high, you know, BABIP rate last year, um, but, you know, a 344 earned run average. Ball was in play quite a bit because he filled up the strike zone, um, but he gave up a lot of hits, so he was gone uh, early. And then Austin Homber, who I still believe is going to be a really solid uh piece of the rotation for the Rockies, I have to believe that there were an inordinate amount of nerves. And I, I really, you know, he, who wouldn't, it's natural to want to do really well. You're the only big leaguer acquired in a trade that sends a future hall of famer out of town, uh, grandly and understandably unpopular. And he, he comes out and, and he wasn't himself. And, and he, and, I, I think he had a chance, fellas, to to be okay. Had on that comebacker by AJ Pollock, he throws a strike to to second. They turn over the double play, and he can breathe a little bit. Gets a third out. Now he's into the ball game. That first that first inning uh, for me was going to be a profound importance, no matter what, because you know, you know, his heart's going like this in his chest, and unfortunately, you know, he gives up three without a hit. It, you know, he, he got through the second and the third, but, you know, seven walks and three innings, he forced Buddy's hand. So that that was disappointing the first time through the rotation. And and the other, you know, disappointing thing is in that 6-5 loss on Saturday, the Rockies plus side guys had an opportunity 
uh, to keep Colorado in front and we're unable to do that. And, uh, it, you know, it, I know it's only one series, but it made, made people immediately go, oh, that bullpen was a mess last year. Um, so, you know, hopefully they can bounce back going forward uh, from that one. I think because Gomber is, you know, the new kid on the block, there's probably more concerns about him than the other three guys. Of course, uh, Buddy has even said, you know, John Gray should still be in line for his next start after having some full body cramping on Saturday. But both both Gomber and, and Bud Black said they really, you know, weren't worried because that's not his game. You know, he he throws strikes, so they're they're both willing to kind of push that out. And and it very much was like nerves, like an anxiousness, um, not overwhelmed, but he just really wanted to please. And, and you could see that in his body language, as you said, when he threw that ball away in the center field, you just, it was just sticking around with him. And I see him, I saw him hitting his mitt and it was just, you just really wanted to have a good first start. And it just kind of threw things out of whack where, yeah, he, he walks those seven guys, but that's not his game. That's not his profile. It, it is throwing strikes. So um, in fact, that both those guys kind of are able to just wash that, flush it out. He'll get his next start in, in San Francisco. I think, for anyone who might be concerned, know that like that's not who Austin Gomber is. He'll he'll be okay. He's he's a much better pitcher than that. He walked only two in spring training, so you know there you go. And he struck out. I think a little better than not a hit. in a game in in all of spring training. In case anyone <laughs> yeah. was confused, yeah. but not and not yeah. In no, the whole of he only walked yeah. two guys. Um, yeah. You know, push delete. His his next start will come on the road, and uh, I, I think that's a good thing for him right now. And uh, I, I do believe he's going to be, I've said this with you guys on, on previous uh, podcasts, that I, I think he's going to be a, a really pleasant um, addition, pleasant. I don't want to call him a surprise because he's still a very young pitcher in terms of big league experience, but I think he's going to be a nice addition to that rotation. And he likes the black vest. So how could you not yes. like this guy? He's yeah. keeping it alive. Bring back the black vest. Uh, right? One of the things that I was able to do over opening weekend again was – Something I hadn't been able to do in a very long time, and that's post-game with a beer. Getting to have Breck Brew after right now. I know a lot of you out there, you have your, your Breck Brew during the game. I'm, we're all technically at work, <laughs> so, so we have to have our Breck Brews after the game. But still, it's a part of the baseball experience, so you've got to get all set up with your Breck Brews. I was drinking the Mountain Beach because I was down at the bar all weekend. Uh, so that was absolutely fantastic. It's a big, uh, big favorite of mine, especially if you're into kind of funky sour beers like that. If not, you know, the Avalanche Amber is an absolute blast to go to. Go to that. You get your vanilla porter if you like your porters or a little bit of a desserty type of flavor for your beer. They got everything for you. Celsius have just as many of the flavors. Absolutely fantastic stuff. I've had the peach one at this point. Phenomenal stuff. I think it's going to start to bring me around to being a seltzer person. We'll see how that goes. But you got to get your Breck Brew situation on. And remember, you get a bigger one when you come down to the DNVR bar if you're a member of the family. You get all kinds of stuff, actually, for becoming a member of DNVR. First, you get access to all that written content. Patrick wrote a banger today. You got to go and read that thing. Uh, then we've got the bigger beer, as I mentioned, when you come down to the bar, discounts on hats, shirts, masks, all that kind of stuff. And if you get the annual, we'll hook you up with a free shirt. We'll hook you up with a free holistic stick from Holistic Wellness. It's 10 grams of CBD focused on recovery. Really easy to use. You can check out all kinds of overwhelmingly positive reviews at holisticwellness.com. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K wellness.com. And you can use promo code DNVR30 to get 30% off. Come and join us. Be a member of the DNVR family today. You don't want to miss out now that the season's going on. Playoffs and the other sports are getting ready to go. Uh, we're having a great time out here watching sports together. Come hang out with us. All right, Goody. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about in this series as, as we uh, did our wrap-up, you, you mentioned some things about it that were unusual. The managers uh, sort of managing it like it was October, but there were plenty of individual plays. You said on the last show you, you came on right before the season started talking about we all know it's it's an old baseball adage, but it's true, right? You, you come to the ballpark and you just might see something totally new every day. Well, it felt like we got four baseball games and a lot of totally new things. Uh, we started something on yesterday's wrap, Patrick. I was sad you weren't there for it. This was your idea, and we, we, we ran with it anyway. What will you remember at the end of the season 
uh, about that series? When you think you look back on it, will it be that home run that wasn't? Will it be the cat out there on the field? Will it be the fact that the team went into an inning with no hits and came out of it with four home runs? I mean, there was a lot to choose from here. There was the home run that wasn't and then was was Zach McKinstry. That's right. It's endless. It's endless. The Dodgers technically did not, not hit a home run over the wall in the series. No, they did find it with Will Smith yesterday. Oh, that's that's right. That's yeah, right. I that was the first one that that, that one got out. <laughs> yeah, that, one, that one got out. Uh, it was wild. I mean, it it does underscore what we were talking about. I said it on my podcast, I think a week or so ago, that um, one of the beautiful things, truly, about baseball is you never know uh, what you're going to see when you come to the ballpark, and and you you have a chance of seeing something you've never seen before, despite the volume of games played over 150 plus years. And boy, oh boy, did we see something seemingly every night that I, I mean, I'd never seen that one, the Bellinger one. So that that's going to last for a long time, especially since it's opening day. The you know McKinstry one, uh, the cat, uh, yes, the four home runs, all left-handed guys in one inning. That yeah. one will that one will linger in the memory banks for a while. We also yeah. have CJ Crone uh, again, not not a huge <laughs> play, but it's right. memorable if you're Austin Barnes because it knocked you out of the game. You know, kind of when a guy of that magnitude and that size kind of comes barreling in, even if it is cleat first, it, it's gonna you're gonna feel it the next morning. I, I thought you were gonna mention the one where CJ knocked the ball down and he's crawling. And it's seemingly an easy play, and he can't pick up the baseball and keep his foot on the bag, and and he ended up not getting the out. And I think I said on the air with, you know, I mean this respectfully, but it, you know, it almost looked like the guy whose vision is so poor, and he's like feeling around trying to find his glasses. You know, um, that that one was interesting, also. Uh, yeah, there are a few of those. There's Mookie Betts making two base running mistakes in one game. This guy's an all-world, extraordinary talent. He should have been out at the plate right on that one and just a little bit off between Diaz and Gomber on the pass or the wild pitch there. And then I don't know what he was thinking on the one that got by Crone at first Betts turns and he was out by 10 feet. Jim, I think instinct instincts have to take over and ball gets by catcher, especially when you run well and you want to be aggressive and scoreboard for me always dictates at that point in time, I think they were already up to nothing. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's early in the game. I had no issue with that one. Um, it's still it's still going to require, um, you know, pretty good play by the catcher and the pitcher. And as it turned out, you know, pitchers coming in, pitchers typically, you know, mess things up when it comes to fielding. And unfortunately, Gomber didn't catch the baseball. And so it turned out to be, in, in my mind, okay. And the one that gets by first base, that's always dicey because – you have the ricochet effect now, and the fields are much smaller because we want the fans as close as possible. It used to be, uh, you know, there, there were, you know, Dodger Stadium was half a mile. You could you could have gone a third on that. Um, so I, I wouldn't fault him because I never want to take away aggressiveness from a from a guy who understands the game so well and has good speed like Mookie Betts. The one other play you, you, that you didn't mention, Drew, was, um, and he's a you know, what is it, four four or five gold gloves in a row from Mookie. And um, that fly ball and right by Chris Owings that became a triple that he completely misjudged or lost or something. So uh, and he had, he had a little bit of an issue with another one that he caught. Um, so there was a ton of stuff, man. There was just a lot of stuff in that series. You got you reminded you, me you, of one more. Oh, you've got more. I, well, I got one again, not, not a huge one, but again, if you're talking about narratives, you say, all right, well, again, fortunately, Brendan Rogers gets injured. So that takes uh, the guesswork out of it. And you have Josh Fuentes taking over at third base. And oh, first two innings turns a double play. And you go, you can't write that. You can't. Yeah. That's not believable. Yeah, the ball found him early, didn't it? Yeah. It did, it did find him early. And. Uh, there was one other one I want to go back to, you know, the, the most famous one that'll emanate from this series, other than Andre the Cat, um, is is the Bellinger, not you know, RBI single. And I heard, I'm going to leave the name out of it, because it's a national baseball writer who I have great respect for. He does wonderful work. And he, like, lambasted um, Turner and Bellinger saying, you know, it drives me nuts. You play the game all your lives. You have to know better. That's not that's not no one's fault on that, because if you're Turner, 
he did the right thing. It looks like it's extra bases, and he's around second, eyeballing a ball in front of him. It has nothing to do with the third base coach. You're, when the ball's in front of him as a base runner, it's on you. And he sees Tapia go up, ball goes in glove. He's, and then now you're immediately – you have to retrace your steps. So he's flying back. As a, as a hitter, you drive the ball to deep left center field. You're told to, to tear out of the box. And, you know, it wasn't like a no-doubter, so he knew that it was a home run. So he's running hard. Inevitably, they were going to pass. Um, so there was no fault that should be – uh, applied to either one of those guys. And I heard somebody who I have respect, a great respect for, you know, saying, oh, that was bad base running. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't at all. It was circumstantial and odd and once in a lifetime type of a, occurrence. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate. And, and actually, and I know, I don't know if you guys got into this at all, but is it worthy of a rule change that if it's a home run and something like that occurs, it still should be, you know, a two run home run. Now you can't pass each other. Guy has a double and somebody, you know, and there's a, he passes a runner. No, I, I would agree that there has to be an out um, involved there, but that one, I wonder, I wonder if baseball looks at that, the rules committee at the end of the year. I did think for a second that when the ball goes out like that, we hit, you have a dead ball. Like that's where I thought, no, they can't pass because it's a dead ball. And that's then I remember what I assumed well, no, you, the rule was. Yeah, and then and I I don't know I don't think there was any play in particular, but you know you still have to be somewhat careful on the base path and not you know pass a runner even on a home run trot as crazy as something like that might seem. And you can even think back to that Mike Morse play from a couple years ago. Remember when he hit the home run and then they had the review and then he stood back up in home plate with his empty hands and had to do the fake swing. And then he, they all ran around the bases for the grand yeah. slam. So that is interesting. I, it, it did did catch me by surprise that it was in yeah, well, I mean, base single. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in Bellinger's defense, Bellinger's not in a home run trot. Bellinger's in a double extra base hit mode. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, it's close. Is it going to hit the top of the wall? Is it going to, you know, so he's tearing, tearing tail around the bases. And it, it was a, it was a weird one, man. It uh, it was a weird one. And and to use what you said before about a ricochet effect, and and for our wrestling fans out there, <laughs> uh, drop that one in at at twenty two thirty. But Tapia, he's he's coming off the wall, and his momentum's going back forward towards first base. So you know he was going to get a good throw on that as well. So yeah. Turner does have to be careful and not get doubled off on a three hundred eighty eight foot fly ball. So wild because Tapia, that one may have not have gone out. Tapia helped it; it goes out. And then the McKinstry one was going out, and he somehow kept it from going out. Unfortunately, he gets shaken up. The closest guy to him is, is you know, 35 city blocks away in Hampton. By the time he got there, McKinstry could have run around the bases twice. And that was oh, his first major league home run. First major league. Oh, we did this on the air. You guys, of course, are at the ballpark. So we talked about how many big names historically – their first home run in in the major leagues was a was an inside the park home run. Rogers Hornsby, Roberto Clemente. I'm trying to remember this off off the top of my head. There, there's some big names. Probably Ty Cobb. I mean, there was a point you know before Babe Ruth where there really weren't any outfield fences. So right. you hit the ball and you just keep running. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I got you. But there's some there's some modern guys that hit a bunch of home runs in their first one. Uh, Mel Ott, 511 home runs at short porch at the Polo Grounds. Uh, but Mel Ott's first home run was a was an inside the parker. He probably hit it to dead center field. I was say <laughs> over the center fielder's head. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm now I'm trying to think back. The last guy, it was 2016. Uh, I'll, I'll remember it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll share this story with you. I think I did it on the podcast before, but I just. You have to hear this because a, a listener sent it to me on Twitter as this was happening. And, and then he sent me the video evidence that this, that he wasn't just making it up, that there was a high school game. And I can't remember if he said he played in it or he was just there where somebody had hit, you know, the team's down a couple runs. Somebody hits a walk-off grand slam, bases loaded. The guy who'd been standing at third base stopped short of home plate, never touched it, turned around and high-fived each guy as they came in and touched home. They all crossed on the base pads. They were all out. The game was over, and the team lost. I, I have a, I have, um, <laughs> I have <laughs> just, 
Wow. I had one from Little League on the road to um, uh, to Williamsport. Um, we had uh, we were you know it was whatever the regional, yeah, regional whatever. And um, I hit a home run. It was a two run homer, and uh, you know go around the bases. And, you know, whatever, I don't know, even know if high fives were around back then, but, you know, celebrate a little bit. And, and like 15 seconds later, their catcher comes over. I'm near our dugout, comes over and he, and he tags me and the umpire goes, you're out. And I'm like, you know, I've always kind of had a little snappage to my uh, personality. I'm like, we mean I'm out, you know, and, and evidently I didn't touch home plate. So they allowed a ball to be put back in play, and, and they tagged me, and so it went. It went as a triple, I guess, and uh, and not a not a two run homer. So there you go. Um, that's yeah, I, that's a a childhood uh, memory worth suppressing. There, that that yeah. hurts. Yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite <laughs> future like championship game against Taiwan, <laughs> and you know. Um, oh God. Um, now I'm a goat, not the good goat, but the bad goat. Um, and it was pre-ESPN too. I again, we, we don't no want to give away the year. No footage of it. So. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite future trivia question for that for the really hardcore Rockies and Dodgers fans will be: Who recorded the putout on that play? <laughs> on the Bellinger. On the Bellinger. Four base. Run that wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Was it was Owings at second? That's yeah. right. Yeah, That's so right. it was Chris Owings. Yeah. Or, yeah. or unassisted. That's a great one. Yeah. Or unassisted. Yeah. Unbelievable. That was one well, of the inner plays of Chris's career. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be a web gem, right? When you make an out on a ball that was hit 388. Say that. So, you know, listen, I made a lot, like, he made an unbelievable play up the middle to turn two. Remember that one? Yeah. yeah he did. Um, but he, yeah, my favorite play all time. I think the best play I ever made was uh, the Bellinger non home run. And we've seen oh, an unassisted man. triple play, but how about just a, a put out without the baseball? Yeah. Chris Owens, yeah. He's, he's magical. You, you know, he's he's a really smart guy. He maybe even got some of that smarts from his education at MSU Denver. Cannot confirm or deny. I have no way of knowing, but that's I, how you figure out how to do that. Nice segue. I like that. <laughs> the king of the segue, Drew Kreisman. <laughs> I think I'm second in the company. Well, I'm number one for keeping it clean. Rudo has to go like like R, like borderline X-rated on some of his segue. So it's like, I'm keeping it clean over here. We're <laughs> just going from Chris Owings to getting a solid education, you know. Uh, I actually have taken several classes at MSU Denver online, though. It's absolutely fantastic. You can start a new degree, finish up an old one, just get a few extra skills. Go to msudenver.edu slash online. One of the best things about it, is that they're a leader in being able to earn your degree while you're working. The vast majority of people that go to school there do it while they're still working. It's not going to mess with you being able to pay your bills. They're going to help you to eventually be able to pay those bills better, especially because a lot of the teachers tend to work in whatever field you're getting your education. So check them out at msudenver.edu slash online. Be a road Kind of love, love being able to make some money while you're working. Yeah. Hard to do that. Yeah. Isn't that the yeah. purpose of working? Right. <laughs> All right. Is that how it goes? Um, somebody asked, did they get tap a bigger glove? I, I did wonder a little bit, like, is he just going way too hard into the wall or were those just two totally freak plays? And, and we don't think about it. I was like, how, what were the odds that that would happen twice? But I don't think there's anything you can do about that, man. Tap's just got to fly around out there and hope that stops happening. <laughs> How often do you have an opportunity to make two over-the-wall catches in, in the same month, let alone the same series? Yeah, we might not see. Yeah, right. We might not see yeah. it all season. No, yeah. see it again. No, that's what I used to say, fellas. About with all due respect to um, when uh, the Cubs signed Hayward to the hundred and eighty-six million dollar deal. Did we talk about this on the show last week? I don't think so. Well, I, I go back and. You know he, you know he was known as the best right fielder in baseball, but he averaged one point seven chances a game. And I'm like, okay, what is he stealing? You know, five three run home runs a week, and therefore, because as an offensive player, he was you know okay, solid. And yet, you know, the Cubs gave him all that money. And I think at the end of his deal, and he's supposedly a tremendous guy. I don't, you know, I don't know him at all really. I've talked to him once or twice, but 
Um, you know, he, he'll be best known for the, the speech during the rain delay um, that helped propel the Cubs to, to ending the, uh, the drought. But I, I, you know, I do sometimes I think we over, I don't want to say overvalue defenses. Defense is really important. But, you know, if you're a corner outfielder, you know, it's more about how many you're going to drive in as opposed to, you know, unless unless you absolutely can't move at all. I mean, you can't put furniture out in, in the, you know, especially at Coors Field. Uh, but there's there's a fine line. Yeah, in the other corner of the outfield, uh, Charlie had himself a nice game. I even recorded a, a put out there in, in, I think it was game two, uh, throwing out Corey Seager at third base. So you, you like seeing that. That was the other thing. He did that twice in a series where there was an opportunity to try either for the guy at home or for the guy going to third. So either Charlie got a scouting report on, or he felt better about going to, or, but that was clearly purposeful. When it happens once you go, Oh, interesting decision that he went to third instead of home. He does it twice. You go, ah, Charlie must've got educated at MSU Denver online. Yeah. Good, good instincts. And, and, you know, we talk about in football, um, you know, pre-snap reads, quarterback goes up and he's going to look at the secondary and try to get a feel what kind of coverage he's going to get. You know, you get a feel when you send guys in motion, somebody go with them, is it man, um, that sort of thing. Well, you have to have pre-pitch preparation also. And so you look at the guy at second who's going to get a more significant, typically secondary lead, and you go, okay, plus speed there. What do I have at first? And he made the right decision both times in going a third and he made, you know, terrific throws um, because I think before the ball's hit to him, he realizes, you know, if it's a normal base hit, I'm not going to have a play at the plate. My best play will be um, that guy trying to go first to third because the, the trail runner is always going to go first to third. He's going to assume that the ball's going to the plate. And uh, as it turned out both times, you know, he got out there, unfortunately, and, and credit to the lead runner, Instead of Cadillacing it around, which you shouldn't do because it's a base hit and you don't know where the ball's going, but they scored in front of the out being recorded. So, again, playing the world champs did did fairly well. Uh, you know, maybe probably a little bit better than than to be expected. And so, one of the things you mentioned, Goody, was uh, the two home runs uh, by McKinstry and then Bellinger. Uh, no, by Will Smith. Uh, is that those were the only two home runs the Rockies gave up? all weekend uh only four teams you know did better than that so that was again a surprise at course field against the champs there we know they've got some boppers in that lineup that was impressive and there is something that the rockies do lead baseball and again small sample size but let's have fun there is something that they did not do on offense the entire series so of course tied for first can you think of something you do offensively that is not very good that didn't happen once. Happened for the Dodgers a couple times. Hit into a double play. That's right. Rockies did not hit into a double play the entire weekend. They did put a lot of more balls in the air, of course. Uh, I think they cut down on their strikeout numbers fairly well. So yeah, they didn't strike out a ton either. I thought they, they did a pretty good job. Especially game one. Especially <laughs> yeah. game one. Um, and that's going to be a key. We're going to harp on that on, on, on this show. When I'm with you guys, you're going to hear me on television say it. Uh, frequently, but but it's huge because the offense was disappointing last year. It was disappointing in 2019, and for the Rockies to be better, the strikeout rate has to diminish and has to diminish hopefully significantly, and that will give them an opportunity to be a more productive offensive team. You got to have traffic. You got to have people on base. Their chase rate goes down, more walks. Their chase rate goes down, less strikeouts. It's something that. You know, if you want to follow one stat or a couple of stats offensively and you're a Rockies fan, be aware of that one in comparison to what they've done uh, recently. Yeah, because in, in that first game we saw it um, explicitly where they were just putting the ball in play and getting that, that Owens ball to, to right field to Mookie Betts at a 98% uh, catchability rate. Hey, drops in for a triple, you got something going on. Fuentes had one hit right at Corey Seager. Boots it, doesn't converge, and, and the Rockies were able to get another run. So, again, just putting the ball in play in, in 2021 uh, can can go a long way, as, as silly as that might seem. But with strikeout rates you know, at an all-time high all across the game, 
You know, you, you got to test those defenses, especially at Coors Field, especially with the size of the outfield that we know. That's a, that's an advantage that they that they can have at the plate by just putting the ball in play. And I'll, and I'll add something to that. We often talk about two-strike approach and, and feel like, oh, man, you know, we need a better two-strike approach. Many at-bats are lost early on. In other words, you get a heater – fastball to hit 01 or 11 or 10 and you don't put it in play with authority you foul it off you swing and miss and now you're upside down it's one and two and ultimately you strike out and people say yeah the bad two strike approach well it needed to be a better 1-0 approach when there was a hittable pitch that you didn't put in play um, hard and that's an area that the Rockies, you know, have to improve upon. Good hitters, good hitters are able, don't miss early count opportunities. Yeah, that, like you said, I think that's going to be the big thing to watch for this offense uh, all season. And, and almost all these guys, other than um, you know, Story, Blackman, and Crone, everybody else is, is still a developing hitter at this point in their careers. And so it'll be really interesting to see how that develops because like, i don't think we know yet you know like you thought hampson looked pretty good early nunez and hilliard had some some bit that that one putting the ball in play those that was putting the ball into and then well out of play uh for those guys but still so some of the early returns on these young guys i wouldn't say that any of them particularly has looked overwhelmed or overmatched and that's going up against some of the best pitchers in the world yeah that's a great i think that's a great point drew uh, you, you, you know, top to bottom from whoever starts to whoever wanders out of that Dodger bullpen, even in middle relief, you're going to see an elite uh, type of arm. So the fact is we started the show and talked about that they've scored 22 runs in, in that series. Yeah, the bottom line is they won one and three. Uh, but there, there were hints that they're going to be better offensively if they can keep that approach, steal bases, continue to take extra bases because you have to use the strengths that you have. And one of the strengths is you have some guys who can truly run. I mean, really run, not like, Hey, he's got decent speed. You know, Owens can run. We know Hampson can run. We know story uh, can run. Tapia uh, has the ability to run. And, and the Rockies are going to need to do that because I don't think they're going to have like a quartet of guys hit 30 home runs. Right. Uh, so they do have a, you know, Three games set coming up against Arizona. They'll, they'll reset with the starting pitchers with the day off that allows them to go right back to Marquez Sensatella Gray. I'm sure that's going to be one of the biggest things. But what are you looking at in in this series? And, and particularly, is this the kind of team that you feel like, hey, look, this is a beatable club for the Rockies. It's tough to measure yourself right now with where they're at against the Dodgers. But these guys come in. And this could and should be a very competitive series. Yeah. I mean, Arizona, San Francisco, they're in a similar room with the Rockies, at least on paper. And when it's at your place, it's not football. I get that. Um, but, you you know, you're going to play three ball games. You want to go win a series at, at the very least. Uh, you're not going to have, you know, they have some bats in that lineup. You know, they, I have great respect for David Peralta, Cattell Marte is a, you know, is off to a great start. And, you know, he's proven to be a very last couple of years, very uh, good offensive player, but it's not the Dodger lineup. It's not the Dodger rotation and it's not the Dodger bullpen. Um, that doesn't mean it, that it's easy. These are major league players, uh, but uh, yeah, let's, let's see how they match up and, and hopefully they, they can bring that same intensity. You know, when the Dodgers wander, uh, out on the field, if you're not ready to go, then you're you're doing the wrong thing for a living. I mean, your juices are going to flow whether it's opening day or July 15th or August 28th, no matter what, because it's the Dodgers, and you want to. Uh, we we all understand that it's human nature to test yourself against the best. Well, now Arizona comes in, and and you have an opportunity against a team that's you know doesn't have the same sex appeal to get after them, and and hopefully that's what we'll witness over the next three days. Two other guys I really like on on this D-backs team is is Christian Walker, a guy who can you know change the game with one swing of the bat. was was kind of a, kind of late start to his career. He was buried behind uh, Chris Davis in Baltimore back when you know he was uh, he was worth that billion dollar contract, so to speak. Um, and Tim LaCastro, who is you know widely regarded as just the fastest guy 
right? And and all of baseball. Well, He's an exciting guy. Patrick, where did Tim LaCastro go to college? Iona? He's he's an East Coast guy. Ithaca College Bomber. That That's your alma mater, no? You know, went to Ithaca College. I know exactly one other person. The Ithaca, oh, there you go. Yeah. Wow. Took a picture with LaCastro a couple of years ago. He came up with the Dodgers and sent yeah. it to uh, – Sent it to he's he's now retired. He's in the uh, college baseball uh, hall of fame as a coach because he coached forty years there. But I sent it. We sent it to our old head coach. Um, so uh, he's playing. I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, the cash is exciting. And and again with you know so Gray is scheduled right now to go on Thursday. But one thing that Buddy said you kind of you know slipped in there in the post game is this idea that they're not exactly tethered to. Uh, no, he didn't specifically go out and say gray on Thursday, just that, you know, they're going to need a fifth starter this week. Um, and they've got some, you know, flexibility. So you can obviously Marquez sends a tell, will make their starts on Tuesday and Wednesday, but you could give gray, you know, an extra day, right. With that full body cramping. Uh, he's not going to miss his next start, but you might want to give him that extra day. So maybe, maybe gray goes in, in San Francisco and then it's going to be, uh, you know, Chi Chi on Thursday, maybe, uh, I guess it could be Chasin. Uh, it still seems like from what Buddy said that, that Chi-Chi is the guy that's going to get that next start. You might need Chi-Chi to, to go four innings, uh, Chasin to go for a couple. We'll kind of uh, play that one by ear, but they could get creative. And um, at, my, good. I, Yeah, my guess, Patrick, is that he's fine. I mean, that yeah. he, he was dehydrated and, you know, it was a little bit warmer whatever that he'll be fine that he will go on thursday talking about john gray and on saturday the rockies will need a fifth and and it's scheduled to be uh chi chi um everything's a fluid situation you know chi chi can run with that fifth starter spot until kyle freeland returns you know if he falters and he threw the ball well certainly threw the ball really well yesterday you know you do have uh jolie chassin who i thought threw the ball pretty well also uh, over the weekend, but my my hunch right now, and it could change, but my hunch right now is it'll you know Gray's going to make his start on Thursday, and on Saturday uh, in San Francisco, that's when we'll see uh, the first time a, a quote unquote fifth starter, which will be you know Chichi, barring the unforeseen. Prior to that, well, if you think you feel like you know how these series are going to go, we're going to have overs and unders for you at times on these DraftKings sports, but you got to be subscribed to the YouTube channel. Anyway, do that just because it's fun and we're always here hanging out on the YouTube channel. But if you didn't last week, because this stuff isn't always going on the podcast anymore, we did a pregame for the John Gray game. And we gave you picks. We had the over on the strikeouts. He picked it up. We had guys getting hits for you. All three of the players that Patrick McKayla and I picked ended up with base hits in that ball game. So you got to be joining us for those. You got to download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now because even if it's not picking wins and losses, sometimes it's the over unders on the strikeouts. Uh, we, oh, we also had the under. We hit the under on the, the total run scored in that game as well, just barely because it was 11 and a half and 11 runs were scored. Exactly. I so, do wish hey, I would have had Josh Fuentes with a home run. Uh, because I know. that was like plus thousand. I was like, ooh, and he went oppo. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can get a little extra muscle yeah, right. on that one too. He went, he went oppo after he had hurt his wrist. Yeah. Now, I had assumed it was from that, but he the, the wrist injury was before that. It was evidently on a swing wow. in, his, in his strikeout in his first at bat. You know, he finished the game and. And he hits a home run, and and then the next day it kind of had tightened up enough where when he was taking BP underneath uh, Sunday morning, it, it was too painful to go. And he's a tough, tough kid. I mean, you, we all know that you know Josh Fuentes would go play, uh, you know, in an alley uh, on January thirteenth uh, to play baseball. So uh, hopefully, this extra day off uh, will allow him to be in the lineup again tomorrow when they open that series against Arizona. One of the, that is actually one of my favorite bets to make because you can just lay five bucks on a guy to hit a home run. And, and that's uh, some, I, that's when I feel too, I'll, I'll feel like you get a guy, you got a premonition. So-and-so is going to hit a home run today. Then all three or four at bats that that guy takes, you're sitting there at the edge of your seat because five bucks can become a whole lot of money in a hurry. And they give you great odds. Sports, they really do. To pay because a it's like, to hit a home run. I mean, even if a guy, if a guy hits 40 home runs in a season, that's only once every four days. So what day is it going to be? 
You're right, Drew. That that's an exciting thing to do with DraftKings Sportsbook. I, I won ten grand last night, fellas. I don't mean to brag, but uh, I had Shohei Otani throwing a ball a hundred and hitting a, a ball out of the ballpark more than a hundred. Right. <laughs> wow, they got Statcast on DraftKings. Right. I love it. Easy I come, easy it. go. Uh, exactly that, right. That is not true. That was that was not even that was a <laughs> lie. That was a bald face lie. You you can't bet on uh, exit velocity. On <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, 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 someday. Yeah, uh, but check out all the things you can bet on. Download the top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn one dollar into hundred dollars. If the golfer of your choosing finishes in the top ten of this weekend's tournament. That's right, code DNVR to turn $1 into 100 bucks for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And if you need tips on who to take in the golf tournament, check out our DNVR golf channel because I am. I am. Good. Are you a big golfer? Um, I love the game. I love the game. I love to watch it. Um, I don't play as much as I would like right now, um, but yes, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm. A, I, it's a great game. Uh, I enjoy the Masters a ton. I enjoy the Masters like all of us more when Tiger's in it. Uh, but uh, it's going to be fun. There's a great. The, the, this new generation of golfers from DeChambeau and Spieth just won the other day for the first time into the drought, hadn't won since the British uh, five years ago. Uh, so it, it's going to, it's going to be a great, uh, a great spectacle as it always is at Augusta. Absolutely. Uh, one last one for you. I did just uh, get a new order of Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu beef in. I went over 200 bucks to get the free shipping. I've got the freezer space. They were doing promos again. There's a lot of ground chuck and ground beef coming my way. I'm going to be stocked for quite some time, but it's absolutely delicious. There's going to be plenty of tacos and chili and all kinds of stuff you can do with that. Then, of course, got a couple of things of bacon going my way that that wagyu beef bacon is is life-changing stuff they've got award-winning hamburgers denver steaks all kinds of delicious stuff check them out you'll get 10 percent off by using code dnvr10 and again you get free shipping over 200 bucks at hassle cattle company that's h-a-double-s-e-double-l cattle company.com i want to know patrick has he shared with you because he he's got like six freezers in his garage filled with great food and I'm just curious because you all hang out quite a bit. Uh, if he shares, I have not received <laughs> one bit yet of that. I, I do need my protein uh, daily. That's going to change, right? Because now, now I'm involved. I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to be the boy right. China shop. I've been um, outed. We're gonna, we're gonna, all, we're gonna, we're gonna make sure Creaseman after one of these games throws on the Barbie, and uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna eat up a storm. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You I got homework. Yeah, there's gonna be. Oh yeah, homework. Yeah, I'm gonna be. Yeah, that's your homework. It's literally to bring the beef. Yeah, not a problem. I'll have plenty. I I did. I did. I'm not lying. I just put in an order a couple hours ago. So very excited to be getting that. You guys should check them all out. All right, wrapping up here uh, with Goody. Just kind of your your big takeaway so far. Where you're feeling uh, about this club? I I had somebody tweet at me. Uh, in the, the as the final game was kind of wrapping up, he said, "You know, I was really worried that this whole season the Rockies were just going to not be competitive and just get beat up, and I wasn't going to enjoy myself. And I know they didn't win the set or, or even split it, but if they play like that all year long, I think I'm going to be pretty entertained and have myself a good time." I, I think that's a good take, Drew, uh, and I think they'll win their share of games. Uh, if they play at that level, now they got to pitch out of the pen better. And, and uh, George Frazier, who I spoke with for a while earlier, used to say this. And you know, George made his living come out of the pen. He goes, "You're going, you know, if you're a top end guy, you're going to get the ball 65 to 70 times a year, and 10, 12, 15 of them are not going to go the way you want." Uh, so you know, Michael Givens had a rough one, and you know, a couple other guys had rough ones. That doesn't mean they're going to have rough seasons, but you do need them to protect leads when the Rockies, you know, give them a lead. I also think given what ha occurred in the offseason with the trade of Nolan and, and so many people understandably ticked off that 
these next three are important. I understand, and you guys certainly understand, you know, it's a marathon. It's 162, even if you get off to, you know, you know, poor start. Look at the Nationals, where they're 13, 15 games under 500 a couple years ago, won, a, won the World Series. I think all the way back to when uh, I think it was Detroit started 15 and 30 and, and won a World Series. So you, you never know. Um, but given what occurred in this offseason, it would behoove the Rockies before they go out on the road to San Francisco to have a good series. And when I mean good series, not only play well, but win ball games, at least win two uh, against Arizona to give people like the person you referenced, Drew, uh, some feeling like, yeah, you know what? These guys actually are, are better than I think they are. And then with going again uh, right after on the road against San Francisco, and playing L.A., you know, it, it, and maybe maybe that's the recipe. They just always play the Dodgers tough. I mean, they, they took a series from them last year, the only team uh, in, in baseball to do so. And that'll be, I think, important because the next homestand, not to look too far ahead, um, you know, you've got you got Houston, you've got Philly, uh, who's who's starting 3-0. and They're looking good, and the Mets. So uh, this, this is a great opportunity. Yeah, and, and Houston took four from Oakland. So both Houston and Philly got off to a great start, and Mets haven't lost. The, Met, the Mets are unbeaten, <laughs> and they got Degrom going again tonight. <laughs> oh, I love it! Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I really do think it's it's going to be a great baseball season. Like we said at the beginning, it's great that we're getting a full baseball season. There are people back in the stands. It really does make a difference. Uh, I you know it it was cool the first time. But I don't think I'm gonna miss the sound of the the natural clank of the home run ball hitting against an empty seat and echoing into nothingness like the no, had in no, no, I won't no. miss it. Yeah, no, not gonna miss that. Not gonna miss that at all. It's good to be able to, you know, at night look at box scores, watch quick pitch on MLB Network, and, and see all the, uh, you know, all the action from around the from around the game. So it's uh, it's awesome. Who's your AL team this year? Your upstart AL team. You got. I'm, I'm all over the Blue Jays. Where, well, the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are very. They can't pitch, but I'm very excited. Yeah, they're they're very interesting. But I uh, I like the White Sox. I love what they've done. Um, they got a, they got an exciting and powerful team. They got some pitching. Uh, I'll make mine the White Sox. Yeah, can't can't go wrong with that. I I. I don't believe them. Uh, I don't believe Cleveland to be uh, of the same caliber as Chicago, but I, I think Cleveland could sneak in with a wild card. I mean, you, you can't count out Terry Francona, and you know Cleveland just they're 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 kind of the the American League version of the St. Louis Cardinals. It's it's the Cleveland way. They always bring up these young guys that always they can just plug right into the rotation and get the job done. And so I, I think finally we'll we'll see some good baseball in the uh, AL Central between. You know, Minnesota, the White Sox, Cleveland, and KC's a little bit better, Listen, too. They, the Royals are, are better. The yeah. Royals are better, and unlike a lot of Royals teams, they're going to hit the ball over the wall. Royals are going to hit some home runs. Um, saw them in spring training. They got off to a good start. You know, Whit Merrifield hit a couple of home runs. They have Soler in that lineup. Carlos Santana. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's going to be an interesting uh, lineup. All right, Mom, there you go. I hope you're listening. Your Royals are in it. Look at them. Look at them go. Yeah. Uh, all right. This was a lot of fun to actually talk about baseball and, and break down some games with you and get ready for the next one. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. We know you, for the, we always talk about the grind on the players. Uh, it's, it's a grind on all you that do the everyday thing uh, as well. So we appreciate you taking the time and we appreciate you doing the job and doing the gig and, and all the work that everyone does down there to bring us uh, all these games on TV, man. It's, 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 now that but now that I've seen just a little bit of the, of the effort that it takes from behind the scenes for all of you to put together that broadcast, yeah, we got more or less every single day. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, Drew. We have a great team, and I'm not just uh, giving it lip service. We really have a great team of uh, dozens of people that that people um, are not familiar with because they're not on television. Um, that bust their butt and are among the most creative and talented people in the business. They just happen to reside here, and we. You know, have the great luxury of, of having them work on on bringing Rockies baseball to people at AT&T Sportsnet. So it's a, it's a labor of love. And uh, thanks again for you guys uh, moving up an hour today. I'm heading over to uh, do a little coaching right now, but uh, I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Have a blast every week with y'all. 
Yeah, thanks for joining us on your off day. So again, you're <laughs> you're, you're the Cal Ripken here of, of, of broadcasting, and we got the Drew Goodman podcast, of course, coming out on on Thursday, the the first one in season. So that'll be uh, a good one, and and just go ahead and subscribe to that. So it just boom drops right into your your files there, and you can listen to it right away. Yeah, I appreciate that. Chuck Nasty's on this week, and you know Charlie's a unique dude, and it's never dull listening to Charlie. Uh, he's on this week, and then uh, next week when we visit, the, the next one will come out Thursday. Um, the new one always comes out Thursday. We are going to go back in time a little bit. A former Rocky of great popularity uh, will be our guest. So we'll I was going to tell you. Oh. Yeah. I, was, I know that. No, that's great. That's better. I'll yeah. We'll have to. We'll have to find out on the day. You'll have to you, yeah. look. You got to subscribe to the Drew Goodman podcast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that conversation. You got me hooked. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm very excited now. Uh, so the other way to make sure you don't miss that is to follow everyone on social media. We'll be tweeting all that stuff out. Follow Drew at Drew Goodman forty two. Uh, follow us at Drew Griezmann at Patrick D. Lines at DNVR underscore Rockies. As we talked about before, make sure you're subscribed to the DNVR.com. You don't want to miss any of the written content. I've got a big article coming up. You don't want to miss what Patrick published this morning. We'll dive deeper into that as we go throughout the week. Uh, you've also get, you get discounts on hats and shirts and masks, the bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar. If you're subscribed for the full year now, you get the free T-shirt and the holistic stick from Holistic Wellness. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee. That's a new thing they're doing now, so don't forget about that. Our friends at Strava are the absolute best. When you do that, it really helps us out. So thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. I promise you we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyon and the Druze Goodman and Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.